Building Great Customer Service Teams. This is a podcast from Integrity Solutions. I'm Michael Terrell. How can training build a strong relationship between customer service and sales? And how can you go beyond the script and turn customer service reps into problem solvers? The bigger the problems you solve, the more valuable you become to your company. The bigger the problems you solve, the greater self-esteem and confidence you have in yourself. And to give people that ability to do that, to give them a process uh, where their personality is enhanced versus a script where their personality is taken out of it. It's so important to give them that concrete values-based process that they can follow. That's an excerpt from a conversation with Johnny Walker, the president and CEO of johnnywalker.co, a training and coaching firm. Johnny is an expert at building great customer service teams. He's also a business associate and licensed partner with Integrity Solutions. We spent a few minutes with Johnny recently to unpack the best approach to building lasting results with customer service teams. Here's that conversation. Johnny, this has been in the works for a while. We're eager to get under the hood on this topic with you. Oh, so am I. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited about this. First, let's explore the relationship between sales and customer service. Can you share your perspective on that? The relationship between sales and customer service is extremely important. And I think it's oftentimes overlooked or treated as completely separate from each other. Uh, in fact, we, we have divisions in organizations um, we have the sales division and we have the customer service division. And I always find that interesting because divisions divide. Why would we even call them that? But we do. Uh, and these two divisions actually work very close together because they are both customer facing and they both touch the customer. And it's important to sell well. It's important to have a customer centric focus on your in sales. The problem is when a lot of money is spent in that process for customer-centric selling, and the same amount of money or an equivalent amount of money is not spent on customer service. Um, and the problem comes when someone, and especially in a complex sale, they'll spend 12, 6, 12, 18 months uh, gaining a customer and they'll get that customer and they're now trying the new product or they're trying the new service and they have a problem and they call customer service and suddenly there is a different type of touch. There's a different type of interaction. Um, and I've heard salespeople get very angry at sales meetings before and say, I spent 18 months gaining this client and it took customer service one phone call to lose them. And now I have to rebuild that again. So it becomes very important that we focus on customer service, that we don't just think, oh, we hire great people. Um, these people naturally enjoy helping people. That's why we hire them. Um, we don't just train them on how to solve the problem and as far as uh, product or service orientation. We need to train them in the soft skills as well on how to interact with a customer as they're solving the problem and to make sure that that customer uh, truly believes that they are the most important person on the phone call, that the customer service representative uh, is absolutely 110% uh, focused on their needs, understanding their needs before they even start to solve a problem. We've all dealt with customer service as consumers, but I'd love to get your thoughts, Johnny, on 
What typically goes wrong in managing and training customer service teams? The worst thing that we can do in customer service is to hand them a script. Uh, I hear this all the time from customer service reps that they have a script that they have to go by. And I don't know about you, but I can tell when someone is reading the script. I can hear it um, in the inflection of their voice. I also hear it because this might be the third or fourth customer service rep I've had to call and talk to about a problem with this uh, service or product. And I'm hearing the same exact words. Uh, and I'm hearing the intonation. Of their, this is their 500th phone call of the week. And you can tell in their voice. So instead of training people to, what to say, we need to start training people how to interact with the customer as if they're that salesperson standing in front of them, not trying to sell them a product, but trying to meet a need. And that's what we do in customer centric selling. We're trying to meet a need. We're trying to make sure this is a win-win for both sides. We're trying to make sure that what I have is the right fit for them because no one likes to be sold something, but everyone likes to buy something and no one likes to in customer service, uh, hear someone follow a script and have to do 17 things before, you know, go through 17 steps before the actual problem is discussed. Okay, let's talk about customer service training. Where does it typically fall down? One of the biggest problems I see in customer service training is that the training is focused on the product or service, and that's extremely important. Your customer service reps definitely need to know how to fix the problem. But it's so focused there that it's not, there's, there's not the focus on the soft skills. We don't do enough on the customer service training side in the soft skills that people aren't as emotionally intelligent as customer service reps. And the ones that are, are absolutely amazing. And the real interesting thing is that, you know, with the studies out there between IQ and EQ, you know, the emotional intelligence or the emotional quotient, IQ can't be taught, but EQ can be taught. And so finding uh, a training, a process to train your people that helps them to be more emotionally intelligent, to be able to understand their own emotions and how they're impacting the conversation and understanding other people's emotions and how it's impacting the conversation and be able to not manipulate people, but to relate to them and to truly empathize and to truly understand um, that they don't need to be reacting with their emotions, but that they need to, um, I guess, take the high road and they need to know how to do that. And with these customer centric cultures, you have to have a concrete process. I hear people all the time say, oh, we've got this great culture. I'll say, great. Tell me, how did you develop it? How are you and how are you sustaining it? And they say, well, we just hired great people. And I kind of laugh because it's not about just hiring great people. We definitely need to hire great people. We definitely need to hire people that fit uh, for the job description and the, and the type of team that we have. But we have to give them a values based concrete process that enables them when they're having that bad day. Uh, to be able to get back on track instead of just relying on their personality. Because that's like saying, I'm going to rely on their emotions. My hat's off to customer service reps 
because that is a difficult job to listen to people complain every single day. And you've got to give them something to get them back on task so that they can have that great interaction, not only for the customer, but for the customer service rep. Because eventually that customer service rep won't want to be there anymore. Johnny, can you walk us through an example of what you mean by a process? At Integrity Solutions, the acronym we use and the process we use is G-Val-Hi. And the G stands for greet, the V stands for value, the A stands for ask, the L stands for listen, the H is help, and I is invite back. And saying it as G-Val-Hi and breaking it up like that just helps people remember it. You almost sing-song it. And it's interesting, the organizations that use this, how it really helps them to stay on track on these conversations. And the one I think takes most people by surprise is the V, the value. And, and then, so we greet people and everyone says, of course, and then we value them. And it's not that we value them out loud. You don't look at them and say, you know, I value you because uh, although that might be good for someone to hear, I'm not sure that would be a natural interaction. But when we think it in our minds, why do we value this person? Maybe it's this person makes my job possible. Uh, maybe on a positive side, if it wasn't for this person, uh, I wouldn't be making the money I'm making. Or this person is, is, is important just because they're a human being and they deserve to be treated with respect. And when we do that in our mind, it really helps us to uh, and changes our mindset in how we interact with them. It goes back to positive self-talk and positive thinking. Uh, and, and the truth is, is it does work. It does take our actions to a higher level, a better level when we, we, we think more positive. And the ask and the listen is so important to have it where it is, because too often the moment someone starts telling us what's going on, we drop into helping them, solving the problem. And I don't know about you, but nothing upsets me more when I'm dealing with a customer service rep, than them solving my problem before they've heard me or before I believe that they've truly heard me. And so the ask and the listen part, and we talk, you know, teaching how to ask those open-ended questions and to actively listen and to make sure that you fully understand the problem before you start solving it. And the only person that can tell you that is the customer. You may think you know, you might have solved a similar problem 5,000 times, and you might be right, but you're not going to solve this problem until they admit in their minds that you understand it. And even if you do solve it, it will be a lower level of satisfaction if they don't feel like you listen to them completely and that you completely understood them. So greetings important, value is, asking and listening are extremely important. And once they agree that you understand the problem, then you know helping them and having a problem-solving formula to be able to take them through so that you're taking them into the problem solving with you and making sure they're satisfied with that solution before you use that solution to solve the problem. And in doing so, they gain ownership. So how we help them is extremely important as well. And we always want to bring the customer in uh, into, that, into that process so that they take ownership along with you. Because when they say yes, let's try this one, and two days later it's not working, they're not quite as angry as if you said this is going to work and they didn't agree to it. So they become a part owner of that solution 
so that the relationship is stronger and the problem solving relationship is stronger. Uh, it's, it's just as true in, in customer service as it is in sales. I always said in sales, I wanted to be, you know, with my customers, I want to be a part of your problem solving team. I want to be your first phone call outside of your, your team there at the office so that I can jump in. Uh, a lot of people call it consulting. To me, it's problem solving. And customer service is no different. They want to be a part of the problem solving team. And, and the customer is a part of that. We don't, we don't have a problem seeing that in sales, but in customer service, we often forget that that customer is a part of the problem solving team. And it's always more effective when we bring them into that. And then the I is to invite them back. And this is so important. And it's something that we, we often forget. It's so simple to invite someone back. And using GVAL High, you, you don't just use it with external customers. You, you use it with internal customers, each other. And I tell people, it may sound weird, you know, someone comes to your cubicle and, and you help them, you take, go all the way through GVAL High. And at the I, you know, well, I'm going to invite them back to my cubicle. Someone asked me one time, I said, try it, play my silly game. Tell me what happens. And they came back on the next follow-up and they told me that was amazing. I actually just told, I, I, I told my, my colleague, hey, come back anytime. She said the smile on their face. She said, I didn't expect that. People want to be invited back. You know, call me anytime. The best customer service reps are the ones that are allowed to give their extension. Call me so that I know what the problem is and you don't have to go through all these steps again. Johnny, thanks for sharing those details. One last thing, your thoughts on the role of coaching in all this? Customer service training uh, is not as effective as it could be without coaching. And it goes back to that, to change a culture, to grow a culture that you want, to sustain it. You have to have a concrete process that's values-based, and it's got to be coachable. you got to be able to point to it. You have to know where you are in the conversation with a customer. And it makes it so much easier for the manager who's coaching to be able to coach to a process like this so that they can say, well, tell me where you got stuck. What do you need from me? How can I help you? And maybe offer a suggestion or two, but coaching their people. And as you're coaching to the process, you're continually reinforcing the process. And by doing that, you're embedding it into the daily conversations at work. So coaching is vital when it comes to training, uh, and it, it increases the impact dramatically. Johnny Walker, the president and CEO of johnnywalker.co, sharing his extensive insights on the role of training and coaching in building customer service excellence. You've been listening to a podcast from Integrity Solutions. I'm Michael Terrell.